welcome. It's exciting to be with you again today. I believe, honestly, that the Spirit is going to lead and guide this service, and He's going to take us to new heights and new places. Would you just repeat after me as we get started? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I believe. I believe. You are leading. You are leading. Me out. Me out. Me up. Me up. Into new dimensions. Into new dimensions. Of your blessings. Of your blessings. Amen. Amen. Lynn, you want to open us up today? Sure. So I just wanted to share with you Psalms 28, verse 7. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in, relies on, and confidently leans on him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices song, and I will praise him. I just want to encourage us today as we worship with him together and hear this message that our hearts would be turned towards him and that we would just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. That all the words that Pastor Tyson brings to us would just resonate in our hearts and we would allow him to come in. So let's just pray together and then we'll get into the word. God, we just thank you so much for today and I thank you for this time that we can bow before you and worship you in righteousness and truth, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would be um, in our midst and on our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would um, lead us and draw us closer to you. I thank you for the words that are going to speak directly to our hearts today, God. We thank you for the plan that you have for us to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. So God, we rest in you and we trust in you today. In your name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lynn. Well, last week we talked about Matthew, the tax collector, and we talked about his two different names. This week we're going to carry the same theme of a tax collector. This week we're going to look at Zacchaeus. (laughs) Now, if you were raised in church, maybe you learned the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Right? We do all the hand motions, and, and now I apologize because if you were raised in church, that song stuck in your head. If you weren't raised in church, just understand that's some churchy reference that we grew in, uh, we sang in children's church. But today we're going to talk about the real story of Zacchaeus, and we're going to draw out some lessons. So let's get started. Let's read from Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, He tells us the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
here we have the story Luke records so well that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He's not just a tax collector like we talked about, about Matthew last week. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, which means he has a higher rank, and then he has tax collectors under him. And so here is Zacchaeus, and there's been all of this buzz about Jesus. And Zacchaeus is in the crowds, but he knows that because of, of his genetic structure, and maybe he's a little vertically challenged, he's not going to be able to see over the crowd. And so he says, i got to do something to get out of the crowd. And I want to tell you today that if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to get to know Jesus and know him intimately and personally, there's three things that you're going to have to do. There's three things that we have to do in our lives to follow Jesus. And we're going to look at them in this story. The first thing that we have to do is what Zacchaeus did. We have to get ahead of the crowd. We have to get ahead of the crowd. Why is that? Because you see, the crowd surrounds Jesus, and the crowd wants to see what Jesus is doing. What is he doing? The crowd treats Jesus as if he's the show and we're the spectators. You might even remember that when Jesus fed the 5,000, that the crowd was excited. And Jesus said, okay, it's time, it's time to be done. I got things I got to do. And so he moves on. But John records in, in chapter 6, John records that the crowd began to follow him. And Jesus turns to the crowd. And I love what Jesus does. He flat out, pulls their punk card, calls their bluff, and he looks at the crowd, and he essentially says in John chapter 6, verse 26, he says, you're following me to get what you want. You're following me to get your stomachs fed again. Like, you're following me for selfish reasons. He just pulls their punk card. He calls them out on it, and he says, guys, no, he tells the crowd, quit following me as if I'm some sort of show and you're the spectators. You see, there, there's a reason that we go to ball games, or we used to be able to go to ball games, and one day we'll go to ball games again, right? We go to be entertained. We go to see the great dunks or the great home run or the miraculous catch. We go to be entertained and we go to, to spectate. We, we go to a concert to see how the musician can make us feel. And, and it's all about us. But Jesus turns to the crowd and goes, not in my house, not with me, right? And so Zacchaeus steps out from the crowd. He says, if I'm going to encounter Jesus, if I'm going to have an encounter with my Lord to understand and to know him in a real intimate way, if I'm going to encounter Jesus in a way in which nobody else can. I have to get away from the crowds. I have to step away from the thing that's holding me back. I have to step away from the noise of the crowd and the, and the smell of the crowd and, and all of the problems of the crowd. I have to step away from that. I have to get away from that if I'm truly going to have an encounter. When I was a boy, my grandfather took me to a Pacers game, and it was the Pacers versus the Boston Celtics. And my grandpa was an NCAA and high school referee, and he was able to get tickets to, to this NBA game. And 
before the game ended, he said, come on, let's go. And I'm like, the game's not over, you know? Like, I, I, I'm watching, like, I'm watching Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and Dennis Johnson, and some of you remember this team, right? And I'm, I'm like, no, we can't go. He goes, just come with me. Let's get away from the crowd. And I'm like, okay. But my grandpa knew people. He was connected. Next thing I know, we're standing outside the Celtics locker room under Market Square Arena. Now, I'm going way back in the day, and I was a kid. I was a little kid. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, even though I was a kid, I realized where I was at. And I, we had to get away from the crowd. And suddenly something happened. The crowd came. And the crowd, we were ahead of the crowd, but the crowd caught up to us. And then out comes, well, you know, all the bench guys that never get in the game, right? And I don't remember their names. But in come the bench guys out of the locker room. And then suddenly out comes the stars. First it was DJ, it was Dennis Johnson, and then it was Danny Ainge. And, and I'm standing there like, <gasps> and I've got my program. And then my grandpa looks down and he smiles at me and he hands me a pen. And I'm like, I know what to do now, <laughs> right? And we went outside next to the Celtics bus. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Here comes Robert Parrish, 7'1", 7 foot, the chief, nicknamed the chief, right? And I just hold up my paper and my pen, and he grabs it, and he signs it. And suddenly the crowd is swarming, because Larry Bird's not out of the locker room yet. And I get pushed into Robert Parrish, and I have nowhere to go. I'm surrounded by the crowd. I'm being suffocated by the crowd and nearly stepped on by a seven-foot, at the time, what seemed like a giant, because I was so young and so little. And I didn't know what to do. And so I darted, literally darted between Robert Parrish's legs and got pushed up into the door onto the Celtics bus. I'm standing right here, and the Boston Celtics bus door is wide open right here, and I'm going, oh my gosh, that's the bus. Like, I literally could walk onto it right now. I was finally pushed out away from the crowd just to be safe, and then I had an encounter, an encounter that I'll never forget, as if running underneath Robert Parrish's legs wasn't enough. On the bus, Kevin McHale turns the corner and says, hey, hi, and I'm like, oh. It's the black hole. It's Kevin McHale. And I'm like, I'm just in shock. And I didn't know what to do, and I just stood there. And the next thing I know, my grandpa grabs my arm and says, come on, Larry's coming out. And I had that unique encounter because I got away from the crowd. And so here is Zacchaeus saying, if I'm going to encounter Jesus in a way that is unique, in a way that the crowd will never understand, then I have to get away from the crowd. You can't run ahead and walk with the crowd. The problem is, is too often we want to stay with the crowd. This is what we know. This is comfortable. This is safe. And yet we'll never encounter Jesus the way we can truly understand him if we continue to run with the crowd. You cannot run ahead and walk with the crowd. But here's what happens. When you choose to run ahead of the crowd so that you can encounter Jesus in a real way, because Jesus is who he is, the crowds are going to follow. It's just part of being popular, right? You're going to bring the crowds with you. And 
you get ahead, but then the crowd comes. What are you going to do? Zacchaeus knew what to do. He says, I got to rise above. I got to rise above the crowd. You see, the crowd is, the crowd is full of all sorts of things. And as long as you're in the crowd, it'll be even more difficult to discern what Jesus is saying because people are talking and there's footsteps and there's kids crying and, and there's dogs barking and there's all sorts of things going on. But it's when you get away from the crowd. But as the crowd comes, you, you climb above the noise of the crowd. You, you climb above all of the problems that the, that the crowd brings with it. You can't listen to God and listen to gossip. You can't listen to God and listen to rumors. You can't listen to God and listen to negativity. It just won't work. So you have to rise above the crowd. You have to find your sycamore tree and climb it and get above the crowd to say, hey, I value seeing and hearing Jesus clearly more than I value what the crowd has to say. I've got to get away from this. I need to, I need to connect with Christ. You cannot be in wonder and in shock and awe of both the crowd and Jesus. You will only hear one at a time. And I personally would rather be in shock and awe at what Jesus has to say to me than what the crowd has to say. Because the crowd will always be full of noise and static and, and everything that will pull me away from Jesus and only confuse me all the more. People like Moses and Paul and David and Jesus, and the list could go on and on, are all people that had moments in their lives where they were literally pulled out of the crowd and spent time alone in the desert to find themselves, to explore who they are, to hear Jesus clearly. And Zacchaeus wouldn't be held back. He needed and wanted to move forward to know more about this Jesus. And so what Zacchaeus do? Not only does he get out from the crowd, but he rises above the crowd. You can't stand out and fit in. You can't stand out and fit in. And Zacchaeus knows this. Now what we have to understand is that it is human nature to want to keep things the same and, and to not change and, and, and assume that this is it and we have arrived. And yet, if there's one thing that life teaches us, we never arrive. We arrive when we get to heaven. But on this earth, we continue to journey. We continue to, to morph and to change and to grow more like Jesus. And we continue to, to push closer to Christ. And as we do that, as Zacchaeus stepped out and said, I need to know Jesus more. As he stepped out of the crowd and then stepped above the crowd, God honored that. And the third point this morning is that God prepared a place and a way in which Zacchaeus could encounter him. You see, when God called Abraham to take Isaac to the mountaintop and sacrifice his son, Abraham just simply obeyed. But what Abraham didn't know is that there was a ram coming up on the other side of the mountain that God was providing. God was saying, will you obey even though you don't see an answer? Will you follow even though it doesn't make sense? He, he did the same thing with Moses. He, he did the same thing with David. 
and Peter. He says, it's not going to make sense to step out of the boat because the logic says stay in the boat, but Peter, I need you to step onto the water. So what's it going to be? You can stay in the boat where you think you're safe or you can get on the water with Jesus. And honestly, you're safer on the water in the storm with Jesus than you are in the boat. You're safer going up the hill willing to make a sacrifice than staying back in the tent saying, no, 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 that's crazy. That's crazy logic. And so because of Zacchaeus' faith, God had been providing a way for Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus even knew it. In fact, God was providing a way before Zacchaeus was even born. He climbed a sycamore tree. Now, when you study trees, which I had to do for this sermon, it's not the North American sycamore tree. It's a Middle Eastern sycamore. And this particular tree takes 600 years to grow. 600 years that this tree can live and grow. And as I began to study, I, I found out that this particular tree was on the main thoroughfare through Jericho. Now, Jericho in that day was a sizable city with lots of traffic and marketplaces and people going up and down on horses and chariots and moving around. And how long was that sycamore tree there? We don't know. But here's what we do know. For whatever reason, and I believe for this story and for Zacchaeus to truly encounter Jesus, God chose not to let that sycamore tree be trampled underfoot and walked on. God chose to not allow that sycamore tree to be cut down. God protected that sycamore tree. Whether, whether it was 50 years or 550 years or 600 years, we don't know how long the sycamore tree was there, but it was big enough for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus to climb up to sit on. God had been, been preparing a way for Zacchaeus to encounter Jesus in a way that the crowd never would because he knew that Zacchaeus would step out in faith. You know, the other th amazing thing about the way that God provided in this sycamore tree is that this particular tree can't grow, or this particular tree can't pollinate on its own. This particular tree and, and the figs that it grows can only, as the figs grow and in that fruit there are seeds, but that tree can't pollinate and grow unless that fruit is stung by a wasp. It requires wasps to continue to reproduce itself. It requires the sting to grow. That that fruit has to have a wasp land on it and then tap into it with its stinger. Can you believe that? Like, it has to experience the pain before it can continue to grow and repopulate. So not only has this tree experienced the pain, and not only has the tree grown and been protected for maybe 500, 600 years for Zacchaeus to climb it. It could have easily been cut down. It could have been easily trampled. And Zacchaeus didn't know how, and he didn't know when. But he had to change things up. 
He had to figure out who this Jesus was. And because he stepped out in faith, God had already provided a way, even though Zacchaeus didn't know it. Zacchaeus said, I got to get out of the crowd and I got to get above the crowd and I got to see what's going on. And God said, I knew he would do this. And so because I knew he would do this, I prepared a way for him. And so the cry of our hearts as we follow Jesus should be, Spirit, lead me. I don't understand. Spirit, lead me. I'm going to step out from this. I'm going to step away from the crowd and the noise and the rumors and the gossip. And I'm going to step away from all of the negativity of the world because I know if I'm listening to that, I can't hear from God. And I'm going to step out. And I know that when I step out, you have a sycamore tree prepared for me, prepared for my family, prepared for my friends. And we're going to climb it. And we're going to see Jesus move towards us because we have stepped out in faith. God cannot show you the way if you do not step out. God cannot show you the way if you do not step out. But here's the good news. When we follow these steps of Zacchaeus, we'll get rewarded like Zacchaeus. The reward is that Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus in a tree and he goes, I'm coming to your house today. Yeah, yeah, you, you heard me. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to hang out with you today. And in that, Zacchaeus throws a dinner, a banquet for Jesus. And he invites all of his friends, like Matthew did, who were sinners and the least of these. And even though they were extremely wealthy, they were still considered the least of these. And in that moment, in verse 8, Zacchaeus says to Jesus, he says, if, let me read this to you. It, it's so interesting. He says, in, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, the, in the Greek, the word if now, we have just one word, if. But in the Greek, they had four. Four different types of if. And I'm not going to get into all of the details. Just simply to tell you this. That this particular if meant if, and I know it's true. It's not if I did it, I need to go back and check the books, I have a 50-50 chance I wronged somebody. It's not if, and he's not being sarcastic, and if means no, I didn't. He's saying, if, and I know it's true, I know I've cheated people, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to pay them four times. I, I love the way Kenneth Wiest translates this. Kenneth Wiest translates in Luke 9, 8. He says this. Now, this is his translation. And since I have wrongfully exacted something from some individual, I now restore at once four times as much. I know I've wronged people. I'm going to go back and I'm going to restore it four times, right? And Jesus' response to this is phenomenal, is phenomenal. He says, for the Son of Man, he said, salvation has come to this house. And then he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which has been lost. Now, why is this so important? Well, see, Jesus didn't say something. Jesus did not say, I have, um, I have come to save those 
who are lost. He said, I've come to save that which is lost. You see, he's not referencing just the soul of man that he came to save. Jesus didn't just come to save our soul. He says, I came to save that which is lost. Well, what is lost? Zacchaeus' relationship with the, with the people that he stole stuff from? And we know from other writings, right? We know that the animal kingdom is lost. We know that nature is lost and nature's in an upheaval. We know that. The Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us the animal kingdom is lost. The Bible says that our understanding, our emotions are lost, that we are all lost in this paradox of sin that has corrupted our world and caused it not to be the way God originally designed it. Jesus is telling those at the banquet, I'm not just saving your soul and getting it to heaven. He goes, I got bigger plans than just that. Though that's the root of everything that Jesus came for. He goes, I'm also going to save the planet and I'm going to save your relationships and I'm going to save your family and I'm going to save all sorts of things. I came to save that which was lost, not those who are lost. So Jesus intends to save us not only from our sins, but also from everything Satan tries to do in our lives. Every foothold that Satan tries to get into your life, Jesus says, I'm not just saving your soul. I'm saving you from the attack of the enemy. I'm saving you from the, the attack and the verbal attack of your neighbor. I'm saving you from the pink slip that you might get. I'm saving you from disaster. I'm protecting you and I'm saving you. And I know you don't understand it, but I'm asking you to step out from the crowd. Step up. I've prepared a way. You won't see it now and you won't see it till you get further down the road. But I am preparing something for you. But we will only experience those rewards if we're willing to step out in faith and believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has great things in store for us. And so my closing questions to you today are these. Where are you? Are you in the crowd knowing God has more? Are, are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid to step out into something that you don't understand or don't see? I want to invite you to do what Zacchaeus did. Get ahead of the crowd, rise above the noise. Trust that God has been providing something and been preparing something long before you were ever born or you were ever a part of whatever it is that you're thinking about right now. That God is preparing a way. Because when you do this, Jesus will step in and you will encounter him in a new a completely different way. And God will save that which is lost in your life. If you're listening this morning and you've decided that I need to follow Jesus, I need to walk away from my understanding of things and be willing to listen more to what Jesus has to say. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus. I need to figure out who this Jesus guy is. I want to invite you to say this prayer with me as we bow our heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can step out from the crowd and the negativity and the noise and the rumors and the way I've been doing things and follow you. I renounce where I've been 
I don't want to live that lifestyle anymore. And I want to wholeheartedly follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you said that prayer with me, or you've agreed to begin to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, then I want you to do one of two things. You can reach out to me on Facebook through Facebook Messenger. Look me up on Facebook and let me know. I want to talk to you. I want to touch base with you. Or you can simply email me, Tyson at theriverlapel.com. I want to hear from you. I'm praying for you. I love you. You guys have a great week. Here's Lynn. All right, I just want to spend a couple minutes praying and then I'll go over a few announcements before we close today. So let's pray. God, we just uh, thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, God, that we're able to worship in our homes and we look forward to the day that we can be back together at church, Father. God, I pray right now for our hearts that we would be turned and drawn close to you, Lord. I pray that our time at home is in worship and all of who you are. I pray for those struggling right now with um, illnesses or sicknesses, and we pray healing right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for touching their bodies right now. We believe in the power of your Holy Spirit and that you can heal those who are sick, and so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you're working with those parents who are struggling right now with their kids at home and doing e-learning. And I just pray your grace and your peace upon all of them in the name of Jesus, that they would have a great week of school this coming week. And Lord, I just lift up to those, um, those that are hurting right now that have pain in their hearts or in their minds. And I just pray your comforting spirit would wrap your arms around them right now, Lord. God, we love you so much. And we thank you that you love us unconditionally, Lord. And so we just give you everything, God. We worship you and we adore you in your name. Amen.